0: You know it's an amazing thing. The turnaround from Yom Kippur to Sukkot is so fast that I mean, just speaking I guess from my own perspective, but it always feels that I go into go into Sukkot without really being prepared properly in terms of what the Yontif is about and what the Avod is, you know, even though technically we're supposed to be learning about the the Yontif 30 days before, but 30 days before Sukkot is ready. You know, almost Rosh Hashanah. So no one's really thinking about Sukkot then. We have to focus our attention on Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur. And then there's just a few days till Sukkot, and those days are busy with preparing for the, all the physical aspects of Yontif. We always come into Sukkot sort of like, what's, what is the sukkah? what's the Dalaminim, what's the Inyan? And so what I want to do for a little bit now is to learn a little bit about Sukkot, uh, the, the Dalaminim, and so on. But also to try to answer that question, why would Rabban make the calendar in such a way where it's almost, uh, it's almost a guarantee that none of us feel completely you know, settled when it comes to Sukkot intellectually and spiritually. What's going on? We don't feel like we have uh, ground under our feet, so to speak. The truth is, in a certain sense, that's sort of the theme of Sukkot. The sarayashem says, go out of a permanent dwelling and go into a temporary dwelling. So, intellectually and spiritually also, there's a certain, you know, permanence means a certain uh, sense of, of control, of understanding. And the whole of is to sort of leave that sense of control. But we have to deepen our understanding of that. Why is that? What is the of about? And, and why is it so, uh, why is it made in such a way? Obviously, you know, it's not, it's not a coincidence that um, most people probably don't fully have the time to prepare themselves to learn and think about what the mitzvah sukkin and, and dal minim is. So that's, I guess, the first question to think about: what, what, what is that Indian of being a yontif that seems to, um, you know, have lack a lack of preparation for it? Okay, so, you know, as usual, what I try to do: let's let's investigate a particular aspect of Hilchasukkah and. Like I always say, that the, the halacha is always uh, the vehicle through which the Rabban Shalom speaks to us and tells us things about Aboidah Hashem. And so let's take an aspect of Hilcha Sukkah. And <coughs> maybe hopefully we'll see from there, um, a, you know, a, 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 a mahalach and Aboidah Hashem of what the Yant of the sukkah is about. Okay, so we all know that when it comes to the Mitzvah Sukkah, the main, the, main, uh, the main part of a Sukkah is really the Shach. That's why it's called the Sukkah, because of the Shach. Now, what, what qualifies as schach? What can be used for schach? So we you know that from the Torah, there are basically three qualifications, three conditions that have to be met in order to allow something to be schach. Number one, it has to grow from the ground. Number two, it grew from the ground, but right now it's disconnected from the ground. And number three, it's not makabal toma It doesn't uh, have the status of a vessel or something like that to receive toma Those are the three qualifications that are necessary to make something from the Torah. Once you fit those qualifications, then Midraseh, you're good to go. Midraseh, however, Chazal came and gave us more stipulations of what's okay for and what's not okay for So I want to talk about two particular halachas Midraseh and compare and contrast them, and then we'll see from there maybe you know a lesson in the Void Hashem. So it's like this. The Mishnah tells us in Mesecha Sukkah it's a Mishnah, Nafeud, the Mishnah Nafiyud Beis Medalev. Mishnah says Says the Mishnah, if you have material which is good for schach, you have uh, bamboo sti- sticks or branches from a tree, uh, classic things of shach. Says the Mishnah, though you can use them, but Chavile Kash. But if they're still in bundles and you just want to, you know, put up a bunch of bundles of wood as schach, that's no good. Bundles of branches and bundles of wood, you're not allowed to use them for schach. Now the reason for this is is because this is a we're afraid that this looks too similar to another situation, which for sure is not good for schach. In those days when people, let's say, had firewood or or other you know uses of wood that they chopped down and then they had to dry them. So the way that the people did it was they would tie it in bundles and put it on their roofs and let the sun dry them out. Now, the halach is for schach, the, 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 whatever you're using for schach has to be put there for the purposes of schach, not for the purposes of it drying out in the sun. So if a person were to take a bundle of, of wood and put it on his roof for the purposes of drying it out in the sun and then later on decide, you know what, I might as well sit under it for schach, that's no good. It was not placed there uh, with the intention of it being used for schach. So says the Gemara, if you take a bundle of wood, a bundle of schach, a bamboo, whatever it is, and use it for schach, even though technically it's fine because you're putting it there for the purposes of schach, but it looks, it might be confused with another case of where you're putting the bundle there for the purposes of drying in the sun, which was the more normal situation of having bundles on your roof. And so since over there it's not schach, so it's a geyser, we're going to be geyser, a case of using bundles for schach, ought to a case of where the bundles were put there for the purposes of drying in the sun. And just like over there, it's not going to be good. So that's why we're, we're going to decree in this case is not good either. So that's one halacha <coughs> <coughs> that you're not allowed to use bundles of schach. Okay, that's halacha number one. Now, when it comes to this case, there's a big machlokist rishayinim whether this chumra, midr'abonon, of not being allowed to use bundles for schach, is this only l'chatchila, but with the evidence okay, or even Bediyevet, it's a problem. And, and it's a big mechalagist. There are many rishonim that hold that this is an issue even Bediyevet. Because the case that we're afraid of, of this looking like, which is namely putting bundles of wood up on your roof to dry, and then later on deciding to sit under it for a sukkah, that's no good for sure, even Bediyevet. That's not schach. It was not placed there for the purposes of shade. It was not placed there for the purposes of being, of being schach. So that's for sure a problem, even Bediyevet. So many Rishonim say, well, if this case is being decreed and prohibited because of a concern of that case, then this case is going to have the same severity and it's not going to be kosher even with the avid. So there are many Rishonim that hold like that. However, we Pascha not like that. There are Ma of Shulchan Aruch that although you're certainly like the Mishnah says you're not allowed to use bundles of shach for shach. But b'diavad it, it's okay. But there are Rishonim that are machmer that even b'diavad it's no good. Again, we're we're, we're more Makal, and we assume that b'diavad it's okay. But it's definitely a discussion. The Rishonim, okay. That's Halacha number one. Then there's another Halacha. It's in the Gemara over there in Daf Yud Min It's a Halacha that's not introduced by a Brisa or a Mishnah, but by a Bayah. or a Maroyim. Bayah says like this: A Omar, Amar, the Shav Loi Shavtri, I don't know exactly the translation, it's some sort of branch, some sort of wood, and says Abaya, even though it fits all the qualifications, it grows from the ground, and it's not detached anymore, and it's not attached anymore, and it's not makavotoma, says Abaya, you're still not allowed to use it for shach, my time, or why not? So says the Gemara, even the Shav this type of branch, this type of wood, Shavzri, gave off an unpleasant smell, and so we're afraid that if you use that in your shruka for schach then eventually, at some point, the smell is going to be overbearing. And you're going to leave the sukkah. So therefore, it says Abayah, you're not allowed to use that, that for schach. A similar situation, Abayah Amr says another type of idea, Behig is another type of, of wood, you're not allowed to use that for schach, what's the reason? Over here, this type of wood doesn't give off a bad smell. But it, but it sheds, it sheds le- its leaves, its twigs, its bark. It, pieces are constantly falling off. And therefore, that's also an unpleasant situation. And we're afraid, eventually, you're going to get so um, you know, so uh, annoyed with these pieces falling on your head. You're going to leave the sukkah. And that's why you're not allowed to use these things as schach. Okay, that's halacha v'abaya. Now, in this halacha, of not being allowed to use wood that either gives off a bad smell or wood that sheds... The, this is certainly only lachatchila. That's for sure. All the Rishenim agree that this is only lachatchila. This is certainly not a b'diavad issue. B'diavad, you're say with a sukkah like that. So we have two two halachas. You have one halacha not using bundles for schach, which is a debate whether it's b'diavad a problem or not. We paskin that it's only a problem lachatchila. Okay, and then you have another situation we're not using foul-smelling wood or wood that sheds uh, for schach, and again, that's for sure only lachatchila. Okay, so here's the shaila. Let's say you only have these two sukkahs, okay? And you don't have an option of a third sukkah that's kosher lechetchila. These are the only sukkahs you have available for you on sukkas. Now, one, su- one sukkah is of schach that, that are made of bundles, and one is schach that's made of this foul-smelling wood or, or wood that, that sheds. Now, in either case, whatever sukkah you sit in, it's definitely not lechetchila, but it's okay, with the avid. That's how we The question is, which one... Should you sit in which is in other words which psul which problem is worse, whatever whatever the su- whatever is worse, you're going to sit in the other sukkah right so so which which is the worse issue, a schach made of bundles or a schach that has a foul odor, now if you were to ask me I would say initially that certainly the bigger problem is going to be the schach made of bundles, why. Because, I mean, think about it, the, the, that type of problem, the schach made of bundles, there was a debate in the Rishonim that maybe it's even a problem with the Evid. So we, we Paskin not like that. We paskin that it's only a problem with okay. the Okay, but from the fact that there's even a debate that it's a problem with the Avid, you see clearly that that Gezerah is a serious, serious decree. The, the concern that we have over there of a person confusing this sukkah with a different sukkah, where the bundles were placed there for the purposes of drying in the sun... Well, that, that case of bundles being dried in the sun is mamish, not a sukkah, so that that's a serious concern. So, ad that there are in that hold that it's a problem even with the avid to have bundles schach uh, made of bundles. Whereas the other case of what of of made of foul-smelling wood or wood that that, that uh, sheds. The, the whole concern over there is maybe you will leave your sukkah, okay. But at least I sat in there for a little bit. You know, at least I was yotzei over there. There's no concern of it being confused with the situation where it's b'chlal, not a sukkah. It's, and over there, there's no, there's no, and 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 again, and, and, and over there, there's no debate. Everyone agrees it's only chila. So if you were to ask me which situation is a bigger problem, I'd say the bigger problem is certainly the case of the bundles. So even though we paskin again that you the b'diavet. But I would say if you have if those are the only two options, I'd say sit in a sukkah that has a foul-smelling odor. That psul, that problem with rabbonon, it would seem to me as being a less of an issue. But you know I'm a nobody, and, and, and uh, clearly I'm wrong. If you take a look at the Rambam, let let's let's see how the Rambam records these two halachas, these two psulim, these two dinim with One, not having schach made of bundles, and two, not having schach made of foul-smelling wood or a wood that sheds and let's pay attention to not only the wording of the Rambam but also where the Rambam placed this in the halachas again when the Rambam started off with a blank piece of paper and he's, and he's accumulating all the halachas of sukkah in an order that he sees fit so we have to be not only to understand the wording of the Rambam but also the placage of the Rambam with these halachas <coughs> so this is what the Rambam writes right at the beginning of the halachas of, of schach for a sukkah the Rambam says the following thing. He gives us a basic uh, background of schach. shel says the Rambam schach for ain't a kosher mikol You can't just use anything you want. Uh, there are certain regulations of what's good for schach. And then the Rambam says like this: These are the regulations. Ain misachin el arts. Number one, schach has to be something that grows in the ground, like I mentioned in the beginning. Number two, shenekim in arts, it has to then be disconnected from the ground. Number three, v'ein toma. It can't be able to become tameh. That's number three. Number four, says the Ramam, the it doesn't have a foul odor. The and it doesn't shed bark or leaves or twigs or something like that. Says the Ramab. If you violated any of these rules and you use chach that did not grow from the ground, or it's still attached to the ground, or something that receives toma psula, that's possible. that's not schach from the Torah. However, if you violated the last concept, and you use schach that has a foul odor, or it sheds, that's kosher b'dyeved, because that's only a rabbinic decree, to make sure that you don't leave the sukkah, but b'dyeved it's okay. That's the Rambam. You hear what the Rambam just did. The Rambam incorporated this din darbonon of not using foul-smelling wood or wood that ships in, within the, the 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 halacha that he's talking about, the daraisa stipulations of tzachach. The Rambam said that these are the stipulations. It can't grow from the ground. It has to grow from the ground. It can't be connected to the ground. It can't be mekabotumah. Those are daraisas. Without without those conditions, that's posh, not schach. That's the daraisa problem. And in that context, the Rambam said also, oh, but also it has to not have a foul odor. Only later does the Rambam say, oh, and if you violate any of these prohibitions, then the first three are definitely a problem, even B'di because they're Dara And the final one, B'di Eved, it's okay, because it's only B'di But you see how the Rambam put it together, and the only separation that the Rambam made between them is at the end, where it's a discussion of B'di Eved. But when he initially introduced this Salach, he introduced it with the same severity and the same level as the Dine Dara now, juxtapose that with where the Rambam places the halacha, talking about not using bundles of wood. That's ten, literally 10 halachas later. In halacha yud, the Rambam says the following thing, chavile kash, bundles of wood, bundles of branches, misachim, you're not allowed to use that for schach either, Gezer shamayas, and chavil sagaga, because we're concerned that they might be confused with a case of where the bundles are placed there for drying in the sun, and that's for sure not good for schach. Now over there, again, you see number one, the placing of the Rambam. That halacha the Rambam did not place in conjunction when he's talking about the basic ingredients of Schach and the basic conditions of Schach. He saved that for literally 10 halachas later. Not only is the placing of the Rambam in these two halachas interesting, but also the wording of the Rambam. When it came to this halacha of bundles, the Rambam as he usually does, he says, the, he says, you're not allowed to use it, and he explains why, because it's a dra-banan. When Whenever it comes to a Daraisa, the Ramam doesn't find it necessary to explain the reason, because it's from the Torah, it's Dra-banans, you have to explain why Chazal enacted it, and that's what the Ramam is doing in Halachiyot, that these bundles of schach, you're not allowed to use, says the Ramam, why? Because it might be confused with a case of where the bundles were placed there to dry in the sun, not for the purposes of shade, not for the purposes of schach. But in the first Halacha, where the Rambam told us about the concept of not using foul-smelling wood or wood that sheds, the Rambam didn't find it necessary to explain to explain why that's a problem. Again, just like he didn't find it necessary to explain why schach has to grow from the ground, because that's the Risa, the Rambam also didn't find it necessary to explain why schach can't have a foul smell. Only when the Rambam explained why but the evidence, okay, then the Rambam said, oh, by the way, because the whole reason is because we don't want you to leave the sukkah. The Rambam, in that case, not only is, is the placing of that halacha in conjunction with deraisa the conditions of schach, but even the, the way the Rambam formulates the halacha without needing to tell you the reason behind it, is like a deraisa. you know, he's using a, a deraisa uh, style to describe this halacha. So what's clear from the Rambam is the following idea, <coughs> that mid deraisa. What's, what, the, the, the conditions that are necessary for something to be defined as schach as we said are three conditions, it grows from the ground and it's disconnected from the ground now and it's not the concept of, the not, of, of, the, of schach not having foul smell or not shedding is the following idea that Chazal instituted midr that there's another condition in schach itself that midr Another a final condition of schach is that schach cannot have a foul smell and schach cannot have uh, this quality of shedding. And that's the fundamental concept of that halacha, that it's a condition in schach itself. It's not called schach unless, re- unless it fits that requirement, Midrach Whereas the case of the bundles, that's not a stipulation in schach. If you have a bundle of bamboo sticks, that's still called schach. It's not a condition in the definition of s'chach. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a separate rabbinic decree that they said, despite the fact that it is s'chach, we're not going to allow you to use it because we're afraid it looks too similar of a case of where the s'chach is there for purposes of drying in the sun. But it's not a definition of s'chach rabbinically. Whereas the case of the foul-smelling wood and so on, that's a definition of s'chach med and the fundamental principle is as follows that Chazal enacted, and this is the concept behind it. Chazal were masakin that part of the definition of schach is that it's a it's a it's a it's a material that's inviting. It's a material that's comfortable. It's a material that you want to sit under. A material that's there, but it gives a foul smell. It's not it's not a gezerah. It's not a decree that we're afraid you're going to leave the sukkah. The very fact that this is a type of ingredient which could repel you from a sukkah, is by its very definition, the rabbana not shach. Because the definition of schach is not something that just makes shade. The definition of tzachach is something that makes shade, that also, that you would want to sit under. And if this is a type of schach which would repel you, then that's a problem with it being defined as mid rabbana. And so we ask the question, if these two sukkahs, you have one sukkah that has bundles for schach, and one sukkah that has a foul-smelling odor from the schach, which one would you sit in? They're both, but okay, but which one would you sit in? So now, based on the Rambam, the answer is you would definitely sit in the one that has bundles. Because over there, that, that, that psul, Midr'Abanon, is not a psul in the definition of schach; It's a secondary xerah. Albeit it's, it's still a problem with chathilo, but it's a secondary xerah. We're sitting in the sukkah with a foul-smelling odor, that Dindra means that it's Pashen HaTzchach, because that's a new condition that Chazal created in Shach, that it's not just a matter of, of what the material is made of. It has to be a material that creates an environment that one would want to sit under. But if you don't, if, it's, if it creates an environment that the opposite is, that a person would not want to sit there, that's not the definition of Shach Medra That's what we see from this idea. Now, no, so you have to investigate this. What's the eponymous behind this? Why would Chazal... Uh, why would Chazal enact this decree when it comes to when it comes to schach? It just time to make things more complicated uh, why, why they find this necessary to be misakim that schach has to be not just something that creates shade which is enough for the Torah but something that also creates a pleasant environment a place that you would want to be in why, why did Chazal find that necessary to, uh, to decree <coughs> okay So let's talk a little bit about the panemius of the yant of You know, everyone knows, the Possek says that the yant of the yant of and the reason why we sit in sukkah is is in order that everyone should remember the great miracle that the Rabbani protected us when he took us out of Mitzrayim and he surrounded us with Ananiya covered with clouds of glory, right? That's what everyone knows. Clouds of glory. So that's well known it's also well known a famous question that the Rishinim the Achorinim ask which is as follows well one second when did Hashem protect us with clouds of glory when we left Mitzrayim so we celebrate Yitzis Mitzrayim and Pesach in Nisan and so we should then immediately celebrate Sukkot because that's celebrating the Ananiyak Kavit which came immediately after you know, even during Yitzis Mitzrayim with Kriya's Yamsev. so what's going on over here why is Sukkot six months later so there's a number of answers. There's one famous answer from the Vilna Goyen. And the Vilna Goyen says the following thing. He says like this, that the truth is we're not celebrating, we're not commemorating the Ananiya covet that came to us when we left Mitzrayim. You're right. If, that, if that's what we were commemorating, then Sukkot would be right after Pesach. <coughs> what are we commemorating? So said the Vilna Goyen, when we left Mitzrayim, we had Ananiya covet. And then we came to our Sinai. We said Nasev and Nishma as Problem is, 40 days later, we sinned with the golden calf. Now with the sin of the golden calf, we lost the Ananiya covid The Ananiya covid left. Only 80 days later, with Yom Kippur, when the Rabbanu Shloyelam finally forgave us for the Chet Egel, only then did the Ananiya covid return after Yom Kippur. So says the the Goyim, the of Sukkis is not commemorating the, the Anania covid that came to us with Yitzit Mitzrayim. It's celebrating the Ananiya covid that returned to us after the Rabbanu Shloyum forgave us for the Chet Egel. That's the, that's the teaching of the Goyim. Now, this, this is a Pesach into the Yant of a Sukkot. Now, let, let's investigate this. Let's think about this for a second. We, the shot, we tend to think of the h- history of what I just said is as follows. Like, okay, we stood by Yarsinah, we said Naseh Vinishma, which, which was one of the greatest moments in Jewish history. That was one of the biggest mitzvahs we ever ever done, Naseh Vinishma. The Rav said, oh, okay, Naseh Vinishma. you're going to receive the Torah. The very purpose of Yitzit Mitzrayim was Tav D'Nusel was to bring us to Sinai. So, every, all the conditions are being met. We said, not so as the problem is, and that's all true. The problem is, we sinned with the golden calf. And that's a, that was a terrible, terrible mistake. And, so we sinned the golden calf. The Rabbanu Shalom is now threatening to destroy us. Baruch Hashem, Rabbeinu fights for us. And that of there is forgiven. But we have to understand that that sin of the Chaita Egel was not just a sin by itself. That hate of the Egel, as great as it was, was in truth really an undoing of the nasa v'nishma. It was an undoing of the nasa v'nishma. So I'll give you an example. Chazal say that when we said nasa v'nishma, every single Jew was given two crowns, one for nasa and one for nishma. And then Chazal say, and when we sinned with the chay Egel, those crowns were taken away. Let me ask a good question. I don't get it. The Gemara says, Ein avir mitzvah, that an aveira doesn't negate a mitzvah. A person can do a big aveira. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he did other mitzvahs. He'll have to pay. He'll have, he'll have to answer for that avera, but it doesn't. It doesn't it doesn't extinguish his mitzvahs? So what does it mean over here that that the chayta egel extinguished the crowns that we that we received by naseh The answer is, the chayta egel wasn't just an avera. The chayta. We we'll have to explain this, but the chayta egel was an undoing of naseh This is why when. For when the Rabban Shalom began to forgive us for the Chayt Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu had to relearn the Torah again. Why does, Shalom, why does Moshe Rabbeinu relearn the Torah? He already learned the Torah, we said Nasavanishma, Anishma, Ban Torah was already in the process. Okay, it got a little bit delayed because of the Chayt Egel. But then continue on, it was just a, a, a disruption in the middle. The answer wasn't a disruption in the middle. Chayt Egel undid Nasavanishma on some level. And so everything has to be, be redone. The Manish has to re the Torah. There has to be a new Kabbalah Zatariah. And in this context, this is why the, the Anani Yaakov, why the Anania cover leave by the Chaita Egil? Well, the answer is, as I said, the entire purpose of Yitzis Mitzrayim, which the Rabbani describes as, uh, by, by Harsinah, the Rabbani Shalom describes it as, I brought you, Alkan Finasham, sure, I brought you on wings of, of eagles, which on a simple level is a reference to the Anania covet. Hashem taking us from Mitzrayim with Anani covet is reflective of, of, of the entire process of Yitzis Mitzrayim bringing us to Har Sinai. And so the entire purpose of Yitzis Mitzrayim and our traveling in the desert, which, uh, with, which is symbolized by Hashem taking us out with clouds of glory, which is like Hashem sort of taking us by the hand, leaving Mitzrayim, bringing us to Har Sinai, was for the purposes of accepting the Torah. And we did that with nasa Venishma, but we undid that with the Chayta Egel. So because of that, the the, the Enali HaKavid left. The, the the leaving of the Ananiyakovid is 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 reflective of of the entire Indian of Itzius Mitzrayim and leaving Mitzrayim and being brought to Har Sinai, being undone. And this is why the Rabban Shalom is threatening to destroy Kli Yisrael because everything is now this this undermines the very the very purpose itself. You know, this is why, for example, when Moshe Rabbeinu defends us for those 40 days so the main defense that he brings he talks about the because this certainly Avramis Yisrael but he also mentions how if we if, if you destroy Kalah what are the Mitzrayim going to say they're going to say that, see the Rabbi only took them out of Mitzrayim to destroy them and, and that convinces the Rav to let us go I mean I understand Kalah is a big thing but you know listen Mitzrayim they're anti-Semites anyway no it'll be uh, give them 24 hours to think of something else to talk about that, that, why, why is that such an important thing? But let's understand it. Previous, what Maishu Ibn is telling you about is that you just put in so much effort to take a sad Mitzrayim. And the whole ending of is going to be undone by this. And, and, and that was what, what was at stake. And it wasn't just a coincidence because Chaita Egel was undoing Nasa Vinishma, undoing Kabbalah Satyrah, undoing the very purpose of Yitzit Mitzrayim. And that's what the Anani Yaakov left. The Anani Yaakov, again, are symbolic of the entire experience of Yitzit Mitzrayim and being taken out and being protected by Hashem. In that, in, that, in that experience the, the makkas are taking place but we're being protected Kriyasiam happens we're being protected in the desert it's craziness but we're being protected the Anani covet are symbolic of the entire experience of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim and traveling to Har Sinai now that's being undone and so Moshe Rabbeinu says but what's going to be then the whole world is going to realize that Kaviyocha made a mistake and this whole thing was, was for the wrong reason so Baruch Hashem Moshe Rabbeinu defends us and Hashem forgives us on Yom Kippur and the Anani covet come back but now we understand that the return of the Anani Kavid is not just, oh, the Rabbi Hashem forgave us for the Chay The return of the Anani Kavid on a deeper level mean the reemergence of Naseh It means the reemergence emergence or, or the clarification that Naseh although it might have seemed to be undone, it can't be undone. Naseh is here to stay. That's what the return of Anani Covid means. And with the return of the Anani Kavid, which means the return of Naseh so comes back the entire the entire uh, uh, the entire um, uh, purpose and significance of Yitzchis Mitzrayim with Kabbalah Satyra. I mean, this is why if you think about it, Sukkot has like two personalities, right? On the one hand, it's part of that system of the three holidays of Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, and on the other hand, it's also like a completion from Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But the truth is, they go together again because based on what we're saying is that. Sukkis is is a is a celebration of the forgiveness of that first Yom Kippur that the Rebbeinu forgave us. But what that means is is that Nasa Venishma is now reestablished. When Nasa Venishma is reestablished, the Yitzis Mitzrayim is now reestablished, and Kabbalah Satayra is now reestablished. And therefore, Sukkis is not only something that comes from Yom Kippur, but it's also connected to Pesach and Shavuos. It's all one Indian. Now, by the way, this idea of the Anani Hakaved, the clouds of glory, being connected, and which is which is Sukkah, being connected to nasavanishma <coughs> The truth is, this is not such a, a far-fetched idea. This is not such a far-fetched idea. There's a a, a, a well-known a well-known Gemara in Masechah Shabbos. The Gemara says in Shabbos Pei Ches Aleph that a Napikayris was was uh, sort of making fun of the Jewish people to Rava. And he said to the Rava, he said, I'm a Pizzizu, yeah. The Jewish people don't you know we we we, we, we don't we don't think ahead. We're we're, we're, too, we're too we're we're rushed. We we run into things too quickly. To say Nas was Nasvanish, Nasvanish means Rabban Shalom we'll we'll do whatever you say. Oh by the way, what are you gonna tell us to do? So the Happy it doesn't make any sense to do that. First you ask what the Torah says. See if you can handle it. And if you can handle it, then accept it. But otherwise who knows what you're getting yourself into. So Rava responded like this. Rava said like this. Rava said Anan this this Ben said Rava the Jewish people you look at it as a chasarin, The truth is Nasav is a big milah. Nasav describes the tmimus of the Jewish people, the simplicity, the pashtas, the 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 the, the trust of the Jewish people. Ben Tumas Yisharim, says the Pasek, quotes, that Nasa Venishma is connected with this idea of the Jewish people called Tumas, the Tumim, the simple people, the people that trust in Hashem. Now this quality of Nasa Venishma being associated with the Midah of Tumimus, of simplicity and Pashtas, that's very much related to Sukkot. We know, Rosh already say that the, that the three Regolim correspond to the three others. Pesach is Avram Avinu. Shua says Yitzchak, and Yaakov Avinu is Sukkis. And Yaakov is described as Ishtam, Yaishev Olam. The first place that Sukkis is mentioned in Chumash is is by Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, after he fights with with Esav, after he overcomes that struggle, so it says in Pesach, he goes to a place of Sukkis, and he builds a house for himself, and for his animals he builds huts, and he names the place Sukkis because of those huts. That's the first time Sukkis is mentioned in association with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov is called Ishtam. Yaakov is called Ishtam. So Tamimus, which is associated with Natsav and is certainly also associated with sukkah. Not only is it associated because of Yaakov, is called Ishtam, but more than that, there's a mukas. The mukas tells us that the basic dimensions of a Sukkah is seven T'vachim by seven T'vachim by ten T'vachim high. That's the basic, basic requirement of measurements of a Sukkah. It could be, it could be bigger, but, uh, but that's the minimum requirement of measurements of a Sukkah. So said the that if you add the gematria of seven times seven times ten, that equals four hundred and ninety, which is bigematria. The word tamim, which means simplicity, so sukkah means simplicity. So naseh is simplicity, and sukkah is simplicity. And again, that's what we're saying that, that sukkah means the reemergence of Nasavanishma. and that's what we're celebrating with Sukkah, based on the Vilna Gaon. Not just the return of the Nineveh covid We're celebrating the re-establishment of Nasa v'nishma. and we're saying that Nasa it might have might have been covered over by the Chet Egel, but it's returned and it's not going anywhere. That's what the of Sukkot is celebrating. So now, we have to explain what the Indian of Nasa is, how do, how does Sukkah reflect that, and why is the Chet Egel the opposite of Nasa Vinishma? And B'Zhoshem from there we'll be able to... Uh, to go back and to understand the halacha of why Chazal enacted, tzchach has to be something that makes people want to sit there. So let me share with you an idea that we find in the writings of, um, of Yishbitz. It goes back to the Yishbitzer himself, although it's definitely more you know, bariches and developed in the writings of his grandson, the Sayyid Yishon of Gershon <laughs> what what, what Sukkis is about, you know, it's interesting. Chazal, I, I mentioned it earlier that the the, the of Sukkis is described as Rambanushim say midirah kevav shebedirah sarai to leave a permanent dwelling and to go to a temporary dwelling. What's interesting is is that at the same time there's halachah of Sukkah, which is Teishvu kentaduru that whatever you do in a permanent dwelling, that's what you have to do in your temporary dwelling, which is like a funny thing. Whereas if the wants us to be in a state of of temporary uh, of, uh, you know, a temporary dwelling, then, okay, then, then maybe there should be halacha that everything we do there should be in a way of temporary. We should only be able to bring in folding chairs, and we should only have plastic wear, you know. Uh, you know some tzaddikim brought in mamish their furniture to the sukkah, their break fronts to the, furni- to the sukkah. That it should mamish be. Everything you do, bequius, just in a state of aray. It's, it's a monashach. Does Rabbi Hashanah want us to be bequius, or does he want us to be in aray? What's the saying of, everything you do kvies, but now bring it to, a, to an environment of arai of temporary what's the site over here so in were we're taught the following idea that there's really two there's two types of experiences in life, there are two domains in, in life, there are things that are called keva, and there are things and experiences and aspects of life which are called Aray, what does that mean so listen, there are certain things that are beyond our control beyond our control beyond our comprehension those are experiences which are called Arai temporary, in other words uh, the weather we're not in control of the weather so when we experience the weather there's a certain um, there's a certain lack of, of stability that we feel when we engage in the weather because the weather is beyond our pay grade, it's above our it's above our domain in terms of controlling. That's called awry. That's called awry. There are certain aspects within ourselves, you know, certain subconscious motivations or subconscious traits that maybe sometimes are like triggered, right? And a person, like all of a sudden, some Indian that maybe from the time that he was a child, or even from a previous life, is brought to the surface. And it's in a certain sense it was unknown to the person. It's it's beyond their jurisdiction to really understand where it's coming from, and maybe sometimes even to control. That's an in inyan which is called Arai. There's a certain unsettling feeling with that. There's a certain feeling of like there's no the, the, you 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 know, you don't have ground under your feet. You're not settled. You don't have full control. It's not under your belt. You don't have you don't have a grasp over it. In Ishbat, this is called experiences or realities which are Lumal Mitfisa above the mind to comprehend. And whenever there is that inion of above the mind to comprehend, <coughs> automatically it creates, that's called Arai. It creates a certain level of, of feeling um, out of kilter, out of sync, out of whack, out of control. And that's an Arai Dika situation. And then on the other hand, there's keva moments. What's keva? Keva means there's ground under your feet. It means you understand, it, you control it. You understand where it comes from, where it's placed, at where, what its purpose is. There are certain things which are under our control, certain traits that we have, which we know what they are, we know why we have them, and we know how to control them. And those are in yonim that are under our control. That's called keva. What's the secret of Sokka? The secret of the Yantav of Sokka is, you see, for the past month or so, since Elul, El Rosh Hashanah Kippur has all been focused on taking control of your life. That's what it's been about. Your life is in disarray, and your mitzvot are nuts. You know, your your life is in, is is out of order. Be a man and take control of your life. Define your schedule properly. Take control of your this Refine yourself. Refocus your and realign your life with its purpose creating a certain kviyas relating a, creating a certain control over your life and over the world that you exist in in a way and that's what El Roshan Yom Kippur has really been about but comes the Yom of and the Yom says as follows take all of that kviyas take all of that kviyas and transition it to a place of Arai mean meaning that the Yom of proclaims and establishes that in truth Everything is beyond our control. Everything is beyond our control. Even those things that we feel like we took control of. Who gave you the strength to be in control of those things? More than that. Who gave you the very idea to take control of those things? Even more than that. Who gave you the very who gave in creation the very concept of control? That's all from the Rubani Shlata. Without the Ribbanislaw giving to you then we have nothing. Even the things that we think we, we should have and things that we feel that we have control over and that we can sort of un- explain where it is in the universe and within our world, that's also a, a gift from Hashem. But for example, I'll give you an example. Like uh, A person might not know much, but everyone knows one plus one is two. So everything falls to the wayside, at least I know one plus one is two. And that's an idea which is b'kviyas. It's b'kviyas. It's absolutely true. We all understand it, and there's no and in our mind. It's it's it, it's it's not possible for it to be anything else. But one plus one is two. That that's that's the, the metzias. That's our li- our life is governed by that. But that's also a construct the Rebbeinu created for us. Logic itself is a construct the Rebbeinu created for us, giving us some sense of stability, some sense of being able to be in control of things, and giving us a mission within this construct that I just created for you, which is which at least looks like Keva, now move in that universe and take control of the situation and better your life. But that's all a briya from the rabbinashim. It's all it's all, it's all aray. Everything is aray. The uh, th- there are things that are certainly aray, certainly out of our control. But even those things that seem to be in our control, the Yantav HaSukkot says, even those things are not really in your control. I'll give you an example. You know, it says in pas we were talking about what, what are the stipulations for Schach. So... In, in the, it's, it's, the Pasek though The Pasek describes Schach as It's during the time of the harvest So you're harvesting your wheat, your barley, whatever And so it says in Pasek From the leftovers, from the chaff From the from the twigs, from the sticks that are left over From the harvest You use that to turn into Schach So the Yishmas are taught the following idea He said like this When you have wheat So there are two parts to it There's the wheat kernel Which is edible and Then you have the chaff right, The sticks and so on That are left over uh, after you separate the wheat from the chaff. So he said, it like this the wheat represents everything that makes sense because wheat is something digestible. It's something you, you know why the Rabban created wheat. He created wheat in order that we should be able to eat, we should be able to survive. Wheat represents, that wheat kernel represents everything that makes sense. But when, then you look at the chaff. What does the chaff represent? The chaff doesn't seem to us to have any function or any purpose. And we know obviously everything was created for a purpose. And the fact that we can't comprehend the purpose of chaff means that there's something going on that's above our head. That's what the chaff represents. And so the wheat kernel represents that which is within our grasp to comprehend. We could understand where wheat, it, why wheat is necessary for the food chain and for, and for uh, the environment. We, we understand. But chaff, we don't understand what its purpose is. And that's already reflective of, well, there's got to be something going on that's above our pay grade because everything was clearly created for a purpose. And if I don't understand the purpose, it means I'm not getting it. It's a chasar in me. But here's the amazing thing, said the sir. If you take that piece of wheat and you plant it again in the ground, what's going to grow from it? Not just a wheat kernel. What's going to grow from it is a wheat kernel and chaff. Which means that even in that side of things, which is called keva, which is called understandable reality, things that we feel that we have control over, even within that really the truth is we don't have control over it. The wheat kernel itself contains within a chaff. It contains within the potential of chaff, which means that even within this side of things which we think we we understand, even now we don't really understand. Because everything is a gift from Hashem. Our ability to comprehend anything is a gift. Our ability to have any sense of control is itself a gift from God. Which means without that gift, we have absolutely no control over anything. This is the yant of This is what it means to take all of your activities which are permanent... But put them in an environment of arai. Establish and realize for yourself that everything is a gift from God. This is why we find the Yisrael talks about this a lot. That the Yantava of Sukkis, is always something that comes as a sign of the Jewish people, like coming to a certain sense of completion. Yaakov Avinu completes his difficult time with love and an Esav, and he goes to Sukkis. We go through the difficult time of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, of making sure we have a good judgment, and then we come to Sukkot. Because the conflict that Yaakov went through with asaph or the conflict that we go through within ourselves over Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, that demands a certain level of, 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 of a sense of control, of taking control. But the completion of that, where you're headed to, is ultimately Sukkot, which is realizing that it's all the Rabbanu This is the secret of and was Nishma, what's nasir? Nasir v'nishma means, what's that about? Whatever, whatever you say we'll do, well now let's hear it. What do you mean? Maybe the Rav is going to tell you something that's impossible. But the answer is, everything is impossible without the Rav giving you the strength to do it anyway. The whole idea of there being a divide between the, what's possible for us to do and what's impossible for us to do, is assuming that there's something that's called Keva, and there's something that's called Arai, and those are two separate things. There are things that are out of our control, and there are things that are under our control. And things that are under our control that we could control. But the whole inn of nasa v'nishma means sukkahs. The whole inn of v'nishma means ananiyakavit. The Shem is protecting you. you. You have nothing of your own. Even that which you think you could control, you cannot control without God. It's the rabbanishma giving it to you. So then what's the difference? Whatever he tells me, <laughs> without him helping me, I can't do anything anyway. This is why Yodeshvitz know, said that the ante of a sukkahs is about protection, right? The ananiyakavit protecting us, the sukkah protects us. So he said famously that there's two types of protections. When you're in a, in, a, in a real structure, a building, a house, you're being protected from the elements. But the protection is so strong and so solid that you're not even aware of what you're being protected from. What's a sukkah? Sukkah is you go to the sukkah, and all of a sudden there's noises, there's howling, there's the wind. You're very conscious of what you're being protected from by the sukkah. And that's exactly what sukkah is. We don't even know what we're being protected from. We don't even know that, that the, the illusion of control that we have, we don't even know what we're being protected from with that. And the sukkah comes and says to be conscious of the fact that everything is protection from Hashem, that everything their Rabbi Hashem is giving us, there's nothing that we can do on our own. We're completely Completely <laughs> under the under the you know uh, uh, you know under the influence of of, of of our surroundings and so on and the rebbeinu shalom is the only thing that's protecting us and there is nothing that's keva there's only Rai. that's the Sikh of nasa nishma and that's what tzokis is this is why the Egel is the opposite of this what's the Egel? the sin of the golden calf is all about the jewish people trying to take control trying to be in control. Moshe Bennu they think, based on their calculations, they think Moshe Rabbeinu is gone. And what happens if Moshe Rabbeinu is gone? It means that now we don't have any understanding of what to do. That's all predicated on an assumption that there are things that that that, that are under your control and you want to understand and without Moshe Rabbeinu, we're left to just being helpless. But, but we're always helpless. <laughs> we're always helpless. The Jewish people's you know, when we when we fell into into such chaos and to such panic mode, because Moshe Shabbin was gone, it was because there was something threatening our sense of control, and we, like I said, we felt helpless then. But Nasav says we're always helpless anyway, and and, and, and that's what the, that's the situation of life. That's what it means to be a Jew, is to accept that everything's coming through Baruch Shalom, and we have nothing without His help. So what's the difference anyway? The fact that Jewish people fell into the Chay Te'egel, that was a reflection of our, of our uneasiness and our inability to accept fully and to embrace fully the reality of Naseh And so the Chay Egel, as I said, undoes Naseh V'nishma. The Anani HaKovit Sukkis is a re- reaffirmation of Naseh V'nishma, a reestablishment of Naseh V'nishma. So, so far, so good. But this is all the Sukkis of Olam Hazah we then have a sukkah of L'asad L'avai. You know, every if we have, but we're talking about sukkah, so we'll, we'll focus in on sukkah. The yantif of sukkah has two dimensions to it. There's the version of sukkah that we have until now, but even this version of sukkah that we have until now that I've been describing is still unripened. It's still not 100% fully developed. It'll be fully developed with the coming of Mashiach. What do I mean? So we said Nasav and but we also know that at the same time, did we fully embrace this reality of Nasa V'nishma with absolute desire and will? Beratzen? Not a hundred percent. The Pasuk says, Chazal, based on the Pasuk, Chazal say, Right? right? The Rabbana held a mountain overheads, sort of compelling us to accept the situation of everything is under God's control. In other words, there is such a thing where a person can accept the fact that they don't have control over their lives. And that's in a madrega. But more often than not, that's a realization that a person is forced to accept. A person hits rock bottom, for example, and realizes that, you know what, without the Rabbani Shalom, I mamash have nothing. But that's something, that's something that ultimately the person was, in a certain sense, forced to accept. It's a madrega to then accept it, because some people will even then not accept it. But they were forced to it. So the Jewish people said Naseh but there still lingers a taina against us over the fact that, yeah, but you were forced to accept it. The Rabbi Hashem held the mountain over, a he- over your heads and showed you clearly how you're not in control. And then you accepted it. Gevaldik, that's a madrega, But Lemaiseh, you were forced into it. The Gemara says in Avai zar though, that Laas Elavai, with the coming of Mashiach, <laughs> there's going to be a full ripening of Naseh to such a degree where it'll be shown that the, that the Jewish people accept nasa v'nishma even without the mountain being held over our heads. What am I referring to? So there's a famous Gemara in Avai de Gimel. The Gemara says that when the Mashiach comes, so the Rav is going to offer reward. He's going to give reward to the Jewish people for keeping the Torah. To make a long story short, because it's, it's getting late and there's a, it's a long Gemara, but the Gemara says that the nations of the world are going to come to Hashem with a complaint and they're going to say, listen, uh, wh- wh- we, we also, uh, you gave them the Torah. Why didn't you give us the Torah? We also deserve reward if we kept the Torah. So Hashem says, what do you mean? Uh, they said, Nasav and Nishma. you didn't. And so the Gleim are going to say, yeah, 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 But you held the mountain over their heads. You didn't hold the mountain over our heads. And so the bunch is going to say, yeah, but they earned the right to be forced into Nasa v'nishma because they kept the Shev Mitzvah and you guys didn't. And the guy are going to say, Yeah, but Lamaisa, all Chishbainists aside, Lamaisa, you held the mountain over their heads and you didn't hold the mountain over our heads. So it's not fair. So Rabbanjim is going to say, You know what? Fine. I'll give you one last chance. Yeshli Mitzvah Kala, I have a small, light, easy Mitzvah and it's called Sukkah. And let's see if you could handle it. If you could fulfill the Mitzvah Sukkah, then that means that you're basically saying Nasa v'nishma without. The mountain being held over your heads, and the Gemara says famously that everyone's going to build a sukkah on their on their on their roof, all the goyim, and their Rebbeinu is going to take the sun out of its sheaf. It's going to be an incredibly hot day, and what's going to happen is it's going to be so difficult. this in the sukkah, all the gamar are going to leave the sukkah. They're going to kick the sukkah and leave in frustration. So the Gemara says, "What do you mean? Well, what's the problem, mitzayir? Uh, that's if it's so so hot, then everyone is putter from the sukkah. The Jewish people are also putter from the sukkah then." Says yeah, 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 the Jewish people are parted from Sukkah, but you don't kick the Sukkah on the way out. The Jewish people are not going to kick the Sukkah on the way out. The Ga'im are going to kick it on the way out. What's the secret of this Gemara? But you see, the secret of this Gemara is the Gemara is describing to us the Sukkah of La'asid <laughs> the fully developed Yontiv of Sukkas, as it's going to be with Mashiach, and that fully developed Yontiv of Sukkas is Nasa without there being any any need of Kafelim harkigigas and that's what's going on over there the Goyim are saying that the Jewish people only kept the Torah because of the mountain being held over their heads but if it wasn't for that compulsion maybe they wouldn't have accepted the Torah and so we're in the same boat as them so says, the, says Hashem okay let's, let's, that litmus test is going to be Sukkot so Sukkot is a yontif that not only is about nasa V'nishma but in its fully developed state Sukkot is a yontif which is nasa V'nishma without any Kavleim Harkigigis and the Goyim cannot withstand that what is what so what's going on over there? Again, as I said, there's a madriga of accepting God's complete control over your life when you're forced to recognize that. But then the ultimate clarification of the greatness of Nishmas Isrol over the nations of the world is not that we accept Nishma, not that we accept God's control. Even a guy can be forced to realize that. But the real litmus test is, are you Besimcha over that realization? is the happiest moment in your life when you realize that you have absolutely no control and it's always been God. That's Nasa Vinishma with absolute desire, absolute Ratsan, absolute Simcha. Without any mountain being held over your heads. You actually want to be in that place that's called Nasa v'nishma. It's the biggest Simcha for you. That's the Sukkot of Lohasad Lovayy. It's nasa without any compulsion, without any kafalim ha'aki And that's the ultimate bureau, the clarification between yid and goy. Is, the root of nishma's Yisrael is, 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 is so deeply connected to God that we're excited over the fact when we realize that everything's been Him. And this is the meaning of what the Zar Kaddish says. The Zar says that, av, di Yisrael, that only someone that's from the root of the Jewish people. Is Yeshuva Sukkah is sale They will only be the ones able to sit in a Sukkah, but the nations of the world that do not come from Nishma Israel, that don't come from that place, that are not so deeply connected to God, then even if they're forced to be in a Sukkah, they don't really want to be there. Not so they would have to be forced into it. Therefore, by that case, where the Rabbanis makes it such a hot day, which doesn't make any sense. Why would God do that? The said, I'm going to offer you the mitzvah sukkah. And then he creates an environment where even if they want to sit in the sukkah, they can't. Even if they want to fulfill the mitzvah, they can't. They're potter, mitzdar. So what the Rabbanu Shalom did at that moment was do something which doesn't make any sense at all. He's about to give them an opportunity to be in control and to prove themselves, to sit in the sukkah. And the Rabbana Shalom then creates an environment where, which is beyond their control to make. That now they can't sit in the sukkah. And that's the ultimate question of sukkah. Are you happy with that realization? When that moment comes where it's proven to you that it's all God, that you have absolutely nothing that you're in control of, are you besimcha over that or not? That is the ultimate bira, the ultimate developed uh, 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 uh developed yantava sukkas. And the gayim leave the sukkah in acceptance over the fact that they're not in control, but they kick the sukkah. They're not happy over that. They cannot accept, they cannot say Nasev v'nishma without the mountain being held over their heads. But the Jewish people leave the sukkah without kicking it. And that's the ultimate beer of nasa v'nishma without the mountain being held over our heads. So let's go back to where we started. We saw that from the Torah, Schach means something that grows in the ground and it's disconnected from the ground and it's not Macabal that's it. But Chazal come and say that part of the ingredient of Schach is that it has to be creating has to create a place that you want to be there, a place that's not pushing you out, a place that's comfortable, a place that, that there's ruts in to be there. You understand what's going on. What Khazal are doing with Rabbanon is that they're giving us a taste of the future sukkah of Lhasa Lavay. Again, what is the sukkah? The sukkah is Nasavanishma. But there's two versions of Nasavanishma. There's the the gullus version of the Nasavanishma there's the, the unripened, the of sukkis, which is nasa v'nishma, but you're forced to be there. But then there's the fully developed version of nasa v'nishma, the fully developed version of sukkah, of lasad which is that you actually want to be there. And so what Chazal are doing with Rabbanan is that the, the Jewish, the, the Chachamim, which are representing the Jewish people, are are proclaiming, that nasa v'nishma without any kafalim harqi So they're weaving into the lachas of sukkah, which is nasa v'nishma in physical form. That the yont of the sukkah is, that the, the schach have to be of a material, that you would want to sit under there. That there shouldn't be any compulsion. You shouldn't be sitting in the sukkah thinking, oh, I have to be here. No, no, you want to be there. And that itself is the Chachamim, introducing to us, even bisman haza, a taste of the ultimate future of Sukkis, of Lasset where it's Nassav without any harki yigas. Now just to end off, everything we're talking about sounds very much like another Yantif. This whole idea of allowing the Rabbanu Shalom to be in control of Nasa Vinishma without any element of kafalim harki gigas, that's Purim. <laughs> that's Purim. Purim is all about Adla Yada. The Rabbanu Shalom is running the show. He's in control of everything, even things that looks like we're doing. It's really the Rabbanu Shalom doing it. And Chazal say that when the Jewish people had the miracle of Purim, we reaccept the Torah without any level of kafalim harki gigas. And the truth is there's a very lot there's a strong connection between the Yontav of Sukkis and Purim. As we said, the Yontav of Sukhis is all about Tomim, Tamimus, Pshitas, Pashtas. There's no greater holiday of Tamimus and Pshitas than Purim. You know, uh, what's Esther's second name? Esther's second name is Hadasa. That's Hadassah Mosukis. Uh the Chazal say about Esther that Yurach recognizes she was she had a greenish complexion, just like the Esther. It says in Pesach, Shaishanas Yaakov. it's all of The Jewish people are called Yaakov. In, in association with Sukkis. Just as Sukkis is related to Yaakov, as I said, Yaakov ishtam, Sukkis, Tamim, Yaakov, Nasa Sukaisa, and that's the first reference of Sukkis. Sukkis is connected to Yaakov, Shashanas Yaakov, Perm is connected to Sukkis. Sukkis is a time of unbelievable simcha, simchas beiseh Shaiva, and Perm is certainly a day of yomishav simcha, a day of unbelievable simcha, simcha that's without measure, without Gvul, without boundaries. Because these two holidays are reflective of each other. Sukkis is... Is, is Purim from the Torah you know what I'm saying it's the root of Purim in the Torah and Purim is is is, is the derivative of it on a Darabonin level but that's what's going on here. ultimately the avoid of Sukkah is as we enter into the Sukkah the avoid is you step into the Sukkah and you think to yourself Rabbeinu Shalom everything I have everything I don't have everything I will have everything I won't have is all from you everything is from you the things that I think I'm in control of and I'm not in control of Everything is awry. Everything is, is you, and I'm happy about that. And if I'm not happy yet about it, you dive into Hashem. Please let me become happy with that. Let me have a fully developed nasa v'nishma without without feeling forced into it. Rather being besimch over. It, let me find that nakuda of Nishma yisrael, where ultimately the acceptance of the banishlum's control over our lives is 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 so natural and so and so pure. That it's actually the biggest simch in the world. Hashem shall bless us. We should ask to enter into the sukkah, to in the proper way, to say nasa to experience nasa vanishm, to experience be as tzedek, and hear me, amen.